Today's episode is brought to you by Anchorfish Printing. Hey, are you thinking about starting up that band, label, or distro? Or maybe you already have one and you need some merch. Anchorfish Printing has been taking care of bands for over 15 years. I can speak from personal experience. When Touche Amore started, Michael at Anchorfish was our guy for shirts, hoodies, patches, back patches, anything uh, that you know you could put ink on material for, he can take care of. Check out their uh, Instagram over at anchorfish underscore printing right now and mention the first ever podcast and receive 10% off your order. Hit them up for shirts, hats, stickers, anything you can really think of and be on your way. Welcome to the first ever podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bohm. This is episode 76. And if it's your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. My guest this week is Sonny Singh of Hate 56. If you are a fan of punk and hardcore, emo, anything kind of punk adjacent, you have very likely come across some of the content he has provided in this world. He uh, he has a Patreon that is super active. Filming punk and hardcore is literally this man's job, and it's super awesome. Uh, very thankful for the work he has done, as I'm sure you are. So this was a really fun conversation. Um, I've known Sonny for a while, but this is our first time really getting to chat. So uh, it, w- it was really fun. I hope you enjoy this. Before we get to that talk, though, uh, I want to shout out one of my newest sponsors, Death Wish Inc. For 20 years, Death Wish has been the go-to label for emerging punk and hardcore. That continues today with their recent releases from scene staples and promising newcomers such as Modern Life is War, Greet Death, Chastity, Converge, Frail Body, and more. Get 10% off all Death Wish music and merch in their store using the link deathwishinc.com slash ever which automatically applies the discount and filters the site for only items included. Again, that is 10% off all Deathwish releases and merch at deathwishinc.com slash the first ever. Have you uh, pre-ordered the Converge Blood Moon record? There's a second press up now. That record is incredible. Uh, oh, geez. I haven't even mentioned the Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon where right now, there is a bonus episode where Sonny answered questions submitted by subscribers. And it's an extra good one. Let me tell you. A lot, a lot of great questions submitted. And uh, his answers are great. Um, yeah. So if that interests you, if you want to support the show, if you want to be able to find out about upcoming guests, uh, you get extra radio bonus episodes, um, Discord channel, you know, all the usual fun stuff. Um, and I'm currently working on the physical gift for people who subscribe to the $10 amount a month level so be on the lookout for that also obviously subscribing to the show on uh spotify or apple or wherever you're enjoying this also helps a lot leaving a rating and review helps oh so much telling your friends helps even more 
posting about it on social media. All of these things really do help this show grow. Um, and I really appreciate it. I'm currently racking up episodes because I leave for tour in, uh, oh my God, it's under a month. Um, the Touche Amore vein uh, tour starts, uh, God, uh, eight, March starts uh, March 4th in Oakland. And that show is uh, almost sold out. Um, that date includes Touche, Vane, Gleamer, and Third Face. There are also tons of dates that include Military Gun, Scowl. It's it's all over the place. Please check out the dates at touchemore.com slash tour. It's coming up quick. I would love to see you there. All right. Uh, let's go. Let's hear from Sonny. This is my conversation with Sonny Singh. Sonny, thanks for hanging out. It's so nice to see you. How are you today? Good. I, haven't, I feel like I haven't seen you in a long time. Yeah, I was trying to even, I mean, at this point, it's always hard to play that. Like, when was the last time I saw you? But I mean, yeah, I mean, we played Philly a couple months ago, but that, I mean, yeah, I know, I know you weren't at that, at that show, but I'm wondering if it was even like, oh, you know what you, I think, did you film the Dead Horse Anniversary Tour, which would have been like, I think 2019? You know, it's funny. I have a database. I can actually look it up. I filmed oh. last time I saw Touche was April 10th, 2019 at the church. There you was go. Was that that tour? Was that that I think tour? That, yeah, that was that. That was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I was so excited. I mean, you know, there's there's certain people that um, capture shows that when you see that they've arrived to the show, there's like a feeling of like, oh, that's exciting. That's really nice of that person to have shown up to do this. So, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for filming us a few times over the years. Yeah, it's always, uh, like I said, I've there's certain bands that I associate with, like, cause I've been filming you guys since 2010. This is hardcore. Yeah. And that was for a long time. That was one of my favorite videos on the channel. So I always, anytime Aww. I get to, sh- anytime I get to shoot you guys, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta see Touche. <laughs> so Aww, it's that's a, awesome. it's a two way street, the, the admiration. So yeah, thank you. we, you know, we always, that specific festival always comes up in conversation or, or like we always reference that because we felt very like, a bit fish out of water at that thing we're like are yeah. we are we supposed to be here like is this is this gonna be okay because i feel like that was also the, also the year that like sheer terror played and i was like I, yeah <laughs> i was like what a juxtaposition oh uh, yeah for bands, real. you know um but uh but yeah i mean uh i feel like even joe that year kind of like did his best to make us feel pretty welcome on the thing Mm -hmm. he was just like no man you guys are doing your own thing like that's what this is all about kind of a thing so yeah um but uh but are you i don't know if i know this are you uh born and raised in philly i was born and raised in new jersey um okay so hate five six is the area code where i grew up in which is eight five six in southern new jersey um but i'm living in philly now i've been here for uh i guess close to nine years i took a little bit of a break after grad school but i've been here consecutively for the last seven years Okay. Um, yeah. What part of uh, Jersey are you from? Um, so I grew up in Marlton, which is southern New Jersey. So the thing is, Jersey's very territorial. People in South Jersey, you can say you're from South Jersey, but people from further south than you will say you're not from South Jersey. So, <laughs> like, I think I'm from South Jersey. But if you ask someone who's like from further south, they're going to say I'm from central. But yeah, I grew up in Marlton, which is like a suburb, uh, or the closest big city in Jersey would be Cherry Hill. Okay. Um, which is right over the bridge from from Philly. So my parents still live. They moved to Mount Laurel, which is like the town over from Marlton. Um, so they're still like 35 minutes away from, from where I'm at in South Philly. Okay, I got it. Yeah, I know Cherry Hill well because that's where we always end up having to stay because it's uh, it's cheaper than staying in Philly and there's parking. There's parking, yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, so, uh, you know, I, I feel like with you, there's a lot of parallels with asking um, some of the questions I would also ask musicians. Uh, so one of the first things I would ask you is like, do you remember when you were young, the first time um, you connected with music in a way that it felt like it was yours, as opposed to maybe something your parents were playing? Yeah, there were, I really think about two kind of instances, not specific moments, but this is like recurring moments that happen frequently as a kid. So um, I remember my older brother, I'm the youngest of three. So my older brother, you know, he, do you remember Columbia House where you'd, you'd sell it, send in like a penny or a dime and they'd send you a bunch of CDs and then totally, you, yeah. Your, then your parents would get hit with a credit card bill. Like on the so, hook for it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So he had done that and he got in trouble because he didn't know what he was doing, but he had picked up like, you know, Dr. Dre's The Chronic, Rage Against Machine, Self-Titled, um, Soundgarden, Jimi Hendrix, James Brown, like a whole eclectic mix. And I remember we would just sit in his room, like listening to those CDs. And that's when I felt like, okay, music is kind of cool. Like there's all this different, there's all these different styles. And I didn't really realize it at the time, but just sitting in a room with my older brother enjoying music was like a bonding experience. And that's something that I carry with today, like thinking about what music means to me now. Um, The other thing that I think about is my older sister and I, we would sit uh, in her room with a radio on and wait for our favorite songs to come on. And we would have her tape deck ready and we would hit record when the our favorite songs would come on and we would just like play that back because again this is pre-internet so this is like mid 90s mid to late 90s um but we would really wait for like the end of the year uh countdown where they play the top 100 songs of the year and we would just sit there and wait and just like wait for the jam to come on and we hit record and like that's how we would like discover discover music so that was like having those moments with my siblings really got me hooked on music as, as a thing that belongs to you know, it belongs to me, but also belongs to the people that I'm with who, is, who are also enjoying the music with me. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and by the time I got to school and was interested in like, you know, punk bands that were in school, like I, I, that tradition carried on with me through that. Sure. What, uh, how, what's the age difference between you and your siblings? So I was born in 86. My sister was born in 80. Oh my God. Uh, 81. My brother's born in 79. So, okay. uh, so a yeah. bit of a bit of a gap there. Yeah. So that's like five and seven years. Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine like even <clears throat> like being that that much younger, you felt very like included with what they were into and what they were doing. So I could. Oh, yeah. Special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was your first concert? First concert. Um, trying to think the very first. I remember going to like a Weird Al concert. Nice. Weird Al at the Keswick Theater was one of the, uh, an early one for me. Um, around the same time, I had seen like Kid Rock. <laughs> was, was it Kid Rock with Marilyn Manson? Maybe it was something oh, like wow. that. Um, yeah. <laughs> as in terms of like major concerts, yeah, yeah, yeah. For you sure. know what I mean? Um, well, that's, a, know, that's an insane tour to even imagine. Those yeah. two, even, actually, I mean, for a actually, lot of well, reasons. But one yeah, of the, wow, one of the big things I convinced my parents to let my brother take me to was the Cash Money Records Rough Riders tour. Oh shit! Back in I think 2000, 2001. So it was yeah. like. DMX, Eve, Dragon, Swispy, all of them. Juvenile, Little Wayne, when he was like ten years old. I don't, I don't even know how old he was at the, at the time, but yeah. like all of them. So uh, we went to that. My brother took me to Ozfest two thousand one, um, and we saw like Disturbed, Crazy Town, Slipknot. Um, I remember be- watching on the side stage this band called Hatebreed play, and I was like, "What is this? <laughs> this is amazing!" Uh, was- and that's probably. That was, was, that like, pro- was that probably like your introduction to the first time seeing what hardcore was? Yeah, I had been fascinated with hardcore. And I've, I've told the story a bunch, but like I got into live recordings from collecting 
VHS tapes of Rage Against the Machine. And I've, everyone who's followed me for even a minute knows how much I obsessed with that band. But yeah. I had collected those tapes and through that trading process, I discovered like Inside Out. And so I was really fascinated with them. And then also had been, you know, um, like in the middle of all that collecting, I, I got a tape with like Youth of Today and, and um, Gorilla Biscuits. So that was like my familiarity with hardcore at that point had been just through live recordings yeah. until I went to that OzFest show and I saw Hatebreed. And I think around the same time, I was starting to go to local shows like that my friends were playing. And like, again, this is like early high school. Um, so it was like mostly like pop punk, ska, punk, and very bad hardcore and like metalcore. <laughs> so yeah, just getting like a very, as not realizing at the time, but just soaking in all the different types of like underground music, if you want to call it that, just by going to shows and having them like be mixed bills. Um, but yeah. That's an interesting time too. I feel like you and I have that in common a little bit where like, I was well, I was like really into metal and I was actually listening to some bands that would be considered hardcore, but I didn't realize because there was the mixed bill thing mm-hmm. going on a lot. Like, you know, I was really into like Vision of Disorder because they're on Roadrunner Records, but I didn't know the VOD was a hardcore band. You know, like I liked I had a the strife in this defiance record because Chino from Deftone sang on it. And I was like, oh shit. Oh, that's like, cool. You know, like those kind of funny crossovers. But I even wonder when you got into Inside Out, like did you do the thing where you looked at the record label and you're like, oh, well, if this is on Revelation, I should probably listen to other things on Revelation. Was that kind of like the path? A little. So I wasn't a record collector. Um, okay. I was into like Soulseek, Napster, sure. things like that. MIRC. So Merck was where I was actually getting a lot of my video content from, like bootleg recordings of bands. Um, so I was discovering things that way and then finding out, oh, this other band played the same show. Let's let's look at look let, let's look into that. Um but yeah through Inside Out I was like, oh what is this 108 band? And like I dove into that and it was like no turning back from that point. Um so so less less about like digging through liner notes. I mean once I had heard Revelation, I was like, oh this is probably uh, yeah it was definitely like a, the first label that I checked out because I knew that Inside Out was on that. So you know that opened the the, the floodgates for like you know, judge, um, you know, uh, all that stuff the today, yeah. all, all that stuff. I like discovered through that revelation connection. Yeah. It's kind of funny because with, you know, with rage against the machine being such a gateway band for you, it's tough because that's like an instant major label. So it's not like you could like explore the major label and find other like-minded things. It was like, so interesting. The rage against the machine was like, that's where they got their start. I still find that fascinating in their story, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm thankful that I I, I was obsessive enough to want to like dig into a little bit more to figure out like where did they come from, what other bands were they in, and really like go down that rabbit hole because once I saw that, I never turned, I never looked back. Um, did I actually don't know this? Were the other members of Rage Against Machine in any like punk or hardcore bands? I actually don't know that. No, Tom and Brad weren't. Um, Tim, the basses may have been. You know, Zach was in, you know, Hard Stance. He did Far Side. Um, he was in, he was, I, I didn't know this until much later in life, but he was in middle school. He was in a punk band called Juvenile Expression. Um, literally, they're like 12 years old. And there's yeah. a photo of them circulating. Um, it's misidentified. And this is where the archivist to me is like, no, nah, that's, that's not right. But there's there's a cir- photo circulating of this, this band when they were in middle school. Uh, people think it's Timmy from Rage in the photo. Like he played it. It's not Timmy. It's someone else. But um, yeah, I don't think the uh, anyone else in the band was in like an actual punk or horror band. Like Tom had been in like a rock band called Lock Up, but I don't think any of them were in besides Zach were in like a horror band. 
Sure. There's it's it's wild. There's a a restaurant down the street. I live here in Glendale, California, and there's like a pretty popular spot called Fish King, right? And I was in there probably like three months ago, waiting to pick up, waiting to get some food. And I'm just like, you know, sitting at the table and I look over and Zach Delarocco was in there with uh with like what could have maybe been a parent. It was like a very oh, really? you know, like <laughs> yeah, it, it it was not someone who was alt or it was like an older woman. And and I just like at first I like was like, oh shit. Zach Delarocco, that's pretty crazy. And then I was like, you have the quick thought of like, should I say something? And then I then I saw the person he was with. I was like, I should not say something. That's yeah. <laughs> like, that's a very personable, personal, uh, personal dinner or lunch that that's going on right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you did you get to see Rage early on? I saw the first. So the thing is, when I was supposed to go to the Rhyme and Reason tour with Beastie Boys, this was like what 2000, 2001? They announced okay. it, and I was fourteen. Told my brother we have to go. We have to go. And then was it MCA that broke his arm in a bike, like a cycling accident? Some one of the BC boys oh, broke their arm. Okay, and they had to cancel the whole tour. And I was like, "Fuck, it sucks." And then the, they ended up breaking up like uh, within within a year of that. Um, and my brother and I made a pact. We said, "All right, if Rage ever reunites, we're we're going to be there. It doesn't matter when or where." So fast forward to Coachella 07, was it? They reunited and like, oh, right. yeah. I called them up. I was like, they just got announced. Like, we got to execute this pack. So we went out to Coachella. I just went out for the one day, um, suffered through some of the most painful <laughs> like interactions with humans on earth. Um, but I saw Rage there. And then that summer, I think it was that summer, the summer afterwards, I think it was, I think it was that summer, I saw them. Tw- um at rock the bells in new york oh sure yeah um so I, I i got to see him a few times and then i got lazy i was like oh they're back i'll just see them whenever i want now and then they ended up breaking up again i think by 2011 i never got to see him again but oh, okay we'll see if this if this if this tour ever happens i'm gonna be at a bunch of the shows <laughs> oh man that i feel like the i think i feel the worst for all the big reunion acts that have had to you know like they got to go through the okay, we're going to do this. We're going to announce it. And they get all the excitement. And then those are the things that continue to be pushed back. I think I feel I know. the worst for them. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's just like, and I, I talk about it with, uh, there's, there's a lot of rage fans that um, I knew from collecting tapes back in the nineties that we've never met, but we still keep in touch. Yeah. And we've been like, we've been gearing up to finally like meet and go to these shows together. And we, we, we talk every now and then on the fence, like, damn, like, dude, it's pushed back another nine months. It's like, well, What's another nine months compared to the, all the years we've been waiting to do this? So <laughs> it is what it is. I kind yeah. of, I kind of like expect it. I, I imagine you guys just like all still have like an IRC channel or something like that that you talk to. Uh, we're, we're, we've kind of we kind of just resorted to Instagram at this point. But, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, to uh, this is this is like a deep dive question. It might not even be possible to answer. But do you remember the first live footage that you saw when you were a kid of anyone that you were like? before you even maybe went to a concert that you were like, holy shit. It was definitely a rage tape. Cause like okay. I said, I was, I was collecting hundreds of these things. I was, I found myself in the middle of this like trading circuit. Um, so I was just getting footage left and right. Um, I don't remember the exact first one that I saw, Yeah, but a lot of my, a lot of my filming and editing style, like pay has specific, like, pays homage a very specific moment in some of his live recordings in terms of how things were edited or oh, angles wow. that, that, that were shot. Um, but yeah, it was, it was stuff like, you know, and they had, they had a couple official like DVDs that I would watch religiously. Um, but stuff like that. I'm trying to think what else I was like really into collecting. I was really into a lot of bad. I'm still into a lot of bad music, but I was like downloading like system of a down videos, mud vein videos, like anything I could eat up again, this is pre YouTube. Yeah. So anything that was just circulating, 
uh, I just wanted to watch it. Sure. Um, not realizing that it was like really developing my appreciation for live recordings and just, you know, archiving, preserving and, and distributing, distributing it in a way that's accessible to people. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I can't, I don't know if I can think of a very specific, like that was the video that I saw. Yeah, I understand. Man, System of a Down is a very good live band. Have you yeah, seen I them? never, I never, I never seen them, but based off the live recordings, I could, I could definitely believe that. Because I, I'm a few years older than you. Um, I would go to, I've talked about it before, but like there, there was like a, a thing here in LA that were at the Troubadour. Um, they would have these local shows that were basically like, if you're over 21, they were free. And if you were under 21, they were $3. And my friends mm-hmm. and I were all in high school and we would go every Monday, but it was like, it was basically like the breeding ground of all the new and upcoming new metal bands. So like we saw, I mean, system of a down a bunch when they were a local, uh, like static when they were uh, static X, when they were just called static, uh, awesome. Lincoln park, when they were called hybrid theory, uh, like alien ant farm, Papa Roach, like all these bands that would just like play every other week at these things. Yeah. Um, but it was, it's a trip. And I still have a few friends that like, I would go to their shows with that. I'm still friends with today. Like, I don't know if you know that guy Fern, yeah, uh, no, Fern, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he was like he and I would go together. Sarah from Youth Code uh, is someone else who we would always roll together to those things. But it's so funny, like how, you know, I always say like, what's crazy is <clears throat> sorry, my, I played shows over the weekend. So my voice is extra <laughs> rough today. Um, it's like, you know, fucking uh, it was it's funny to think about the bands that you saw that ended up going on to be huge. But it's crazier to think about the bands that like didn't make it. And like, mm-hmm. I found a bunch of those old cassettes like a couple of years ago where I was like, oh my God, all these demos of like these sad bands that were just trying so hard to make it in the rap metal world. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, sad. but I, in that I found like the Static X cassette. I had the System of a Down cassette, like all that stuff. It's a, it's a trip to see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not ashamed of any of my old, like the music I grew up. Cause again, that's all like stuff that shaped me. So I can, I can tell when people are kind of like downplaying the stuff that got them into music. And I'm like, no, I am, I got nothing to hide. Like yeah. I raise it, man. Like this is who I am. Like it is what it is. Yeah. No, not, not, not everyone comes out of the womb listening to like, you know, agnostic front. It's for sure. Um, and the people who tell you that they do, I'm always just like, get out of here. You're yeah, full of shit. exactly. Um, <laughs> What uh? So, so I'm actually curious. So when you started, when you like maybe found a local scene, were you first like taking pictures, or were you immediately like into filming shows? So we had um. So this was 2000. That was my freshman year of high school. Um, a couple of my older like I had my my one friend Tim, his older brother Rob. I was closer friends with him. Um, Rob was really into punk, and he wanted to start a collective, uh, focused on booking shows. Again, this is like high school. He must have been a junior or senior. I'm, I'm a freshman. Um, so he was calling up punks haven p-u-n-x haven and so he was like all right we're gonna have a collective we're just gonna book shows and anyone who wants to be involved in it can be involved in it so there were people who wanted to like learn how to run sound so they would be the ones who are in charge of running sound um people who you know wanted to write a zine they would write like the show reviews so they were it was kind of like a collaborative thing we were trying to trying to build um we had booked like a couple dozen shows maybe um but i was really interested in I was like, oh, I'll be the one who films it. And in my head, I thought, okay, well, I'll film it. And then maybe there'll be a way of distributing the footage and people can like rewatch the show or discover a band from the video. But again, this is pre-YouTube. I didn't know what to do. Um, 
my dad was like, well, what's your plan? I'm like, oh, I can like, I can sell DVDs at, at, at lunch in the cafeteria. And he's like, you're an idiot. No one's going to buy a DVD that costs you all this money to make of just a band playing in a basement. And I was like, uh, I guess you're right. <laughs> um, but we had one, one of the shows that we booked was uh, Bayside. Bayside played in um, the lobby of an ice hockey rink. And I just recently dug out the footage during the lockdown and I posted it. And apparently they say that it, to this day, it's still the worst show they've ever played in terms of like attendance. <laughs> because I think, I think there was a big show in Philly that night and we didn't know because we were just like kids. Yeah, of course. Um, and so no one came out. It was just like a handful of kids watching Bayside playing in an ice hockey rink uh, lobby. Um, but yeah, I was, I was in, again, at the time fascinated with collecting tapes. And then I, I was also riding BMX. I was already filming like BMX tricks. So I had a camera. And I thought, oh, like, let me just go to the show and just I'll film and that will be my contribution. Not thinking um, what's the actual distribution model, because, again, this, there was there was nothing at the time. So um, I was just going to the shows with my tiny little camcorder and just filming and collecting these tapes. And then that's kind of where it all began. Yeah. What what format was it? Was it like the what are those called? like the smaller tapes? Uh, yeah. So at first, I, the first camera I had was was a Panasonic that my parents owned and it was a VHSC. So it's a tiny VHS tape that in order to play back, you put it inside a uh, enclosure that then goes in, into a VCR. It's like the size right, of a v- right, right. VHS tape. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I filmed some stuff on that and then I saved up money and then I got a Canon ZR45, which takes like a mini, mini DV tape, like an actual digital, digital tape. Um, and that's what I used for a long time. Um, when I shot on mini DV for up until like 2011 is when I stopped shooting on mini DV. So when you're doing transfer stuff now, because you also have become this person where like people send you old tapes to like basically rip to like go on the internet. Right. Yeah. So like how, what is that system like? Cause I actually, I can't even imagine it. Like, it, yeah. So digitizing a tape, any kind of tape is a real time process. So if, if it's like an hour long tape, you have to digitize. It's going to take one hour to digitize straight through. Yeah. 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 Um, and I was doing that for a long time, like just filming shows, Early Hate Five Six was just filming on mini DV and then going home and digitizing the tapes. Um, at some point, I came up with this idea of like, um, okay, well, you know, the camera has an output that you can then connect to a computer. Like normally, if you're transferring a tape, you hook up your camera to a computer and then you set the camera to playback mode, and you can transfer the footage that way. I came up with this idea, like, oh, what if I like wear a backpack with a laptop in the backpack and I tether the camera to a laptop and then right before the band starts i hit record on the laptop close the lid put it in my backpack and then film directly to the laptop so Whoa. this is like this is before like memory cards were readily available for cameras in general like my camera didn't even have like a memory card option but i think this is hardcore 20 uh, 2010 i think was the year that i recorded it directly onto a laptop in my backpack Whoa. so i was i was starting to experiment because i was thinking like i'm wasting so much time like i have fun filming I've, i kind of enjoy editing but like i'm wasting so much time just converting tapes when i could be doing other shit that i want to do right so that was the beginning of me being like all right like if i want to do this a little bit more seriously i gotta optimize this i gotta streamline this i gotta like cut down identify what the bottleneck is and just like eliminate it. So um, that was one of the first times where I like sat down and was like starting to experiment. And I feel like I still do a lot of that now um, in terms of just figuring out what can I do more efficiently to then free up more time to film more bands or to like spend more time, like making an, a video edit a little bit better. So sure. Um, 
yeah, but yeah, the, 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 even now, like someone just sent me uh, a tape with a uh, far side and inside out on it. It's footage that's never been seen before. It's like all I checked it. Um, and I, I get, I get like a little giddy when I get one of these tapes, especially if it's a band that I love. Cause I'm like, like I'm about to pop it in. I'm like, all right, this could be something that no one else has ever seen in like 30 some years, or it could be just another copy of the video that's already on YouTube. You, you never sure. know. You yeah. kind of like roll the dice. So I got this tape from Rob Hayworth. They, uh, Rob was in Farside and Inside Out, and and his brother um, um, uh, Mark was in those bands, and he was in Grill Biscuits early on. So he, they they're, they're now that they know I like obsess over these tapes. They they've been digging through their their you know mom's basement or attic anytime they go to see her, and they send me whatever they find. So he sent me an Inside Out tape, and I popped it in literally two days ago. And I hit play, took a deep breath, and I watched it. And I was like, okay, I knew right off the bat that oh it was an God. alternate. It was an alternate angle of a set that they played at um in in, in Irvine back in ninety. Because I already I I'm so obsessed. I already know which angles already exist for each <laughs> each so- show that was yeah. at um. That was at Mariner's Church in Irvine. I think it was March 2nd, 1990. There's already, I already know of a stage right angle and an angle shot from behind the camera. And right when I hit play, Burning Fight starts off by, the perspective is from the crowd. I'm like, all right, this is a crowd shot angle. I've never seen this before. Let's fucking go. So, Oh my God. I get, I, there's, I, 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 I'm not that obsessive with every band. It's just like a very specific number of bands where I can tell you like, detail by detail what recordings already exist and whether or not like you know we're gonna hit something new um there's probably got to be something really exciting about you becoming that guy to people to where people now where in the past you used to have to dig and try to like hope you can find some cool stuff now you've become the guy that people want to send you stuff to like get on the internet and that's probably got to be a pretty special feeling yeah because the thing is like tapes i feel like that the tape the universe of tapes is um kind of like an iceberg like you see the top half of the iceberg that like already exists on youtube is already circulating but there's a whole universe of shit that is just like deteriorating in a shoebox in an attic in a basement uh so i feel like every time i i honor something new and post it it reminds someone oh i also filmed that band i had the tape let me just send it to you i'd love for people to see it so like during the lockdown, I got a couple like glass draw sets and I posted them. And the th- like every time I posted one, I would get at least one or two messages from someone saying like, hey, I also filmed that tour, but on the next night, do you want me to send the tape? I'm like, yes, send me the tape right now. Oh man! And so it's cool. It's super cool for me to like um, there's just through the process of archiving it encourages other people to like dig up their stuff as well. There's still a couple holdouts because the thing is with older older like recorder like filmers and people who like recorded audio some of them are very protective and they don't they don't think anyone else deserves to hear it or even look at it besides them oh that's weird so <laughs> it's a little frustrating because i'm the exact opposite i'm like everything should be shared sure, everything yeah. should be shared yeah but they 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 hold a certain um it's a possessive thing for them like it means it's a very special thing that they don't want to give up right. and for me i'm like you know what those tapes are going to deteriorate they're already starting to deteriorate these two or three decades later, like what's the point in holding it if you're not going to digitize it? Like it, you're just holding on a pile of dust. So there are a couple people out there that I know are sitting on inside out audio recordings of stuff that's not already in circulation. And the thing is it becomes kind of like a long game. Like you got to be friends with them. You got to like butter them up. And then hopefully, because rather than just being like this random guy on the internet, Hey, can you, I, I heard that you have this tape. Can you send it to me? They're just going to tell me to fuck off. But like, 
I'm hoping and it has worked where and it's not like a manipulative thing. It's more like, Hey, I know you have this thing, you know, I want to see it, but also like, tell me about your life. Tell me about like, what it was like, to, <laughs> tell me yeah. about what it was like to actually go see that show. Cause I, I also care about that. I, I also care totally. about what it was like, what was it like to see that band in, in 89 or 90? Like, tell me what their scene was like. I want to know that stuff. And like, you know, ideally th- in time they'll open up and be a little bit more receptive to giving me the tape to then digitize and, 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 and share with the world. When you get a tape in the mail, do you have, are you ever scared that like, this might be the last time this tape works or like in the middle of it, it's oh, a yeah. snap. Like, have you had those situations? I, I have that fear all the time. There have, a couple, there have been a couple tapes that um, they haven't, no, there's been a couple tapes where it'll like the table sever in the middle of playing it, I have to like dissect the tape and like literally stitch it back together and then seal it back up. Oh, um, it depends on what the footage is and like the, the condition of the tape. I get like, I can tell like, all right, this might not last a couple more plays, but someone had, um, do you know Dave sausage? Yeah. Yeah. So Dave, I um, I must've been early pandemic. He dug up a copy of youth of today's, um, no more the music video, one of the original like master tapes. So he dug that up. That's because there was like a really poor rip that was on YouTube. But he dug up one of the first acts, like I think it was like the master copy. And he was like, you can digitize, but I need that tape back. I'm like, all right, I got to guard this thing with my entire life. And like, <laughs> it, it played perfectly. I was able to like uh, digitize it, restore it, you know, up res it to 4K or whatever I did. I can't remember. And then like return the tape. But if it's a high value item, like, all right, this thing is super precious. I, I got to make sure it's it's done right. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. Today's episode is brought to you by Discovered Magazine. Discovered is an international print counterculture magazine encompassing the best of music, art, skateboarding, and anything with a punk ethos. Listeners get 10% off a yearly subscription using the code FIRSTEVER, spelled out, when you visit store.dscvrd.co. Discovered is definitely the coolest magazine around. They cover so many bands that uh, other publications just don't. And uh, I love them for it. Support Discovered. You won't regret it. Do you remember the first show that you filmed? First show that I filmed? um, It was definitely one of these like Punk's Haven shows. One of the bands that I filmed a lot back then. There were two bands that I filmed a lot. Um, one was called Roadside Assistance. It was a three-piece punk band from my high school that I was best friends with. Like I filmed all other shows. Yeah. And the other band was a uh, Lower Marion um, from the Lower Marion area of PA. Um, or Jer- they, they might have might have been PA Jersey, but they were like an indie rock band. I was really obsessed with them, so I was filming a lot of them, a lot of their sets. Um, was filming like the progress. Progress is um, uh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Evan, Evan, Evan from Intuit over it. That was his one of his first bands. Yeah. Um, filming a lot of that as one of the first hardcore shows that I filmed as hate five, six was, I think the floor punch reunion at, at the church in Philly. That was, um, 2006, 2007, October 28th, 2007 was okay. like the, I think the first hardcore show that I filmed actually, no, it might've been, um, you know what it might've been have heart hope conspiracy, paint it black at the church damn that's a um, show that was a super stack show yeah and i remember um i got there late and i didn't film everyone because i was like oh, i'll just film like have art and 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 hope con no, sorry that was that was 2007 or sorry 2008 so that was like a couple of months after the four yeah, yeah, show yeah. but some of those early shows i'm like i don't think back I'm like damn i got to see 
some pretty stacked lineups. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? And I think was, about it. I think, yeah. Was that HopeCon show the one that you just posted the other day? Was that that from that show or is that a later one? Uh, it probably was. That. I know I, I know. I posted a HopeCon set recently. I think it was that show. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, damn. Uh, and and the- I, am getting, I am getting some HopeCon sets in the mail. Nice. Tapes. Like that's a van I... Like if I know you're sitting on HopeCon tapes, I want them. Like I that I need to get out there. <laughs> like oh, that's, that's another awesome. one of those dance for me. Yeah. Have you uh do you know Niraj at all? Have you ever talked mm-hmm. with him? He's like my Indian uh there's not a lot of Indian guys in horror. I mean it's, it's yeah. changing now, but growing up, he was like I always looked up to Niraj. Like he's my yeah. hero. Um we talked the other day. He's he's constantly trying to get me to sing for a band. Um, because I like I've done like guest vocals here and there for like 108 and whatnot. Yeah. And he saw me, he saw a video of me doing vocals with 108. He's like, he's like I, I brought it up because that that happened two or three years ago. And I brought it up to him a couple of days ago because it was like the anniversary. He's like, he's like, I'm telling you, just write some lyrics. I will write. A, a, he said he would write an EP for me in a weekend. <laughs> like he's just, I feel like he's just a machine when it comes to like writing he's good music. Guy. Yeah, he's, he's a, a riff guy. You know what I mean? So I think that uh, if I could figure out lyric, how to write lyrics, I have no idea how that works. I think he would write an amazing EP in a weekend. Every time that Hesitation Wounds gets together to try, like, try to write something, it's so like our whole thing has always been like, let's just get into a room and see how many songs we can write in a day. Then we'll record them the next day. Yeah. And it's just so funny to see him like stare at the wall for a second and then just like start fucking around. And then within, you know, 30 seconds, he has come up with something. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Everything he's done is I mean, Suicide File. Um, was it, What was the other one with um with Dave from? Um, oh, uh, Dave from Holy Brooklyn. Fever. No, well, the Holy Fever, uh, Stab by Words, Stab by Words. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I'm constantly punishing about HopeCon. Yeah. Constantly asking him, yo, is, are you guys going to come back or what? What's going on? And, oh, uh, my God, yeah. Supposedly yeah. they've been working on that record for like a year or for like 10 years, it seems. 10 years. Yeah, I was in years. LA. Yeah. I was on, in LA for the Unbroken show in 2014 and I was, and yeah. I was staying with him. I was, like, I was like, listen, what's it going to take? for just hope kind to come back i think i was trying to pitch him for this is hardcore or something yeah he said something like he's like yeah you know just we're writing we're writing you know jared comes out you're right and the thing is like kevin's not angry enough (laughs) and if there's gonna be an excuse for hope kind to not play that's the only legitimate excuse is that kevin baker is not angry enough to be (laughs) so i think that's a fair excuse yeah sure you don't want want that person to phone it in you want that to be genuine for sure just yeah i want to i want to feel the fucking fear uh when hope con takes the stage yeah no a thousand percent yeah every time there's been times where like he will like there'll be a hesitation one song that like he'll be writing and i won't say it out loud but in the back of my mind i'm like Yo, it's kind of a suicide file riff. Like I'm into that. Like, yo, it's kind of a hope con riff. I'm into that. Like I can point out on those records where I'm like, oh yeah, that's the hope con part. I'm and it's yeah. just for, for me, I'm just excited because it's like, yeah, he's, you know, those are some of my favorite hardcore bands, especially oh, yeah. when I found the scene. So like, you know, I don't take anything for uh, for granted with that, where I'm just like, I can't believe I get to be in a band with this guy. Mm-hmm. Um what was uh was that was that uh this is hardcore set in 2010? Was that the first fest you ever filmed? no the very first fest i shot was burning fight in 2009 in chicago yeah so the story with that was they were looking for they had an application process for someone to film it and i like you had to write like an essay like why do you want to film it what would you do why do you think it's important i wrote this whole long thing um these two other guys got the green light to shoot and i was like damn like all right well i tried um but a couple days before going out there i get the email from i think caitlin caitlin lipinski was helping her run it she was like hey those two guys like dropped the ball they can't make it like do you still want to shoot i'm like 
yes, I will shoot this. And I, again, I didn't, I didn't have enough money at the time to like buy all the tapes. I think it was like a two day thing. Yeah. So I remember going on a Philly message board. I said, Hey, I'm going out to Chicago. Um, if you want to, if you want to donate money, like, and sponsor a tape, I will use that tape to film whatever band you want. Um, and I got like enough money to buy tapes for every band. So that was like the first experiment with like crowdfunding, like the resources I need to like shoot to shoot the stuff that I wanted to shoot. Right. Um, but yeah, that burning fight fest again, last minute I got to shoot it, shot every band. And still to this day, some of those sets are some of my favorite, like that trial. Set. I don't know if you were there. Um, I wasn't there, but no, I was living vicariously through everybody's posting it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like trial. And then, again, all these bands from the nineties, like, I, I feel like, you know, I wish I grew up in the nineties because my affinity is for like nineties hardcore bands. Yeah. So that was my first time getting to see trial unbroken disembodied, um, you know, 108 played as well. And I'd been following them on that tour for a little bit. So, um, but they also had like current bands, Half Heart, Blacklisted, uh, Harm's Way. Um, so it was a really good lineup and that was the first fest that I filmed. And once I put those videos up on, on, on the site, that's when I noticed the very first like inflection point in traffic. I was like, Oh, a lot of people are like watching this. This seems like it could be a thing. Cause up until that point I was filming, you know, a couple shows here and there posting it and then, you know, promoting it on message boards being like, Hey, film the show, check it out. But it was the traffic from Burning Fight that really like planted the seed for what the channel would become. And that summer, I hit up Joe Hardcore. I was like, hey, I'm a local kid. Like, I heard that you're looking for a video guy. Like, here's my Burning Fight footage. What do you think? He's like, yeah, sure. Come out, film it. Um, and that started um, my relationship with him. Yeah. Does uh, One of the things I wanted to ask you was like, how is your over time like how is your stamina and also ear exhaustion for filming sets like i have to imagine that gets i f- i feel like i've gotten better which okay. is weird because i'm like i'm getting older like i feel my body breaking down but i'm i feel maybe i dissociate like from the pain but i feel like i'm able to just like power through it like the running joke with people is like if i'm, if I'm at a fest i don't take a food break i don't take a break to take a shit or go to like the bathroom it's crazy yeah so yeah so there's the, the running joke from people is like oh sunny like bags his shit on stage when he's people aren't looking like he's got like a i'm like listen that, i don't go that far but i don't know i feel like once i get in the in the mindset like i'm filming this thing i'm documenting this thing it needs, it's going to be seen by a lot of people like once i'm in the zone i kind of like tune everything out um but yeah i've i've built up a lot of like we like muscle strength in a lot of weird places like my shoulder from holding the camera above like over my head um and just like more so than that like developing an eye for like which moments to capture and like when to capture it and, and the best way to frame it so yeah i don't know i feel like my endurance has gotten better with older age i, I again i don't know how long that's gonna last yeah, like am i gonna man. be 50 and still able to shoot a 20 band fest in one day i don't know we'll see yeah i'm sure you uh you love changeover more than anyone loves changeover. <laughs> you get to sit down, love, love a changeover, get, uh, eat a cliff bar, maybe something like which that. Which is which is with like with that punk fest that got announced in uh, that pop punk fest that announced in Vegas. Like I don't know how this changeover is going to work. Oh my god! Like yeah. someone said, there's going to be a rotating stage and it's just going to be band ends, neck band starts. But like, here's the thing: people need a break yes. in between bands. You need a palate cleanser. You need like a minute to breathe. You can't just go from band to band to band to band to band. You, I don't, I don't see how that's going to work. Honestly, yeah. But. I was like, if they announce set times and it actually starts at 12.05 a.m. the night before, I yeah, was like, I'll, before. I'll give you that. I'll say, like, this right. will work then. But, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then one of the other questions was, I, I thought to ask you was, uh, what about determining, like, who's worth filming and who's worth posting? Like, do you have any sort of, like, 
is it hard for you to be like, well, I don't really like that band, but I'll film it anyway. Or like, it has, was, how has that worked for you over the years? I'll, I literally will film any band as long as you're not like a white power <laughs> or just like, you're not, you know, there's a line there, but I will film anything. So my, my perspective is, and here's the thing, the vast majority of the stuff I don't care about, like, I like what I like. Everything else is just fine. But the way I consider it is I'm an archivist. I'm documenting a, a moment in time. Someone somewhere is going to care about this. This could be this person's first show. This could be this person's last show. There could be someone in the crowd who's no longer with us. And this footage of them moshing to this terrible band is the footage that's going to bring comfort to their family or their friends when that person passes. Like I come at it as a, at a very like, I'm just going to be a fly on the wall and document this thing, put it out and let let people decide if it's something they want to watch or enjoy. Like, who am I to decide what gets like left on the cutting room floor? Um, because the way I look at it, um, you know, if if people weren't filming the bands that I loved, and I I would never have discovered them. So you you just don't know who's going to be someone's like gateway, or it's going to resonate with someone to either inspire them to come to a show or start a band. Like you just you don't know. So pretty much, I will film anything. My only restriction is again. As long as you're not, <laughs> you're not super sketchy with your politics. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, and also just availability. Like I'm getting hit up constantly now to film shows all over the world, like on the same day. And I'm like, I can't be in two places at once. So it really comes down to like figuring out, is this something that people will want to watch? Or is this something that I've been wanting to film and just haven't had a chance? So I kind of like evaluate it based off of those criteria in terms of what I think viewers want, what would be good for the channel. And also like, do I want to shoot this? Is this something I think will be fun for me to do? Um, that's something I, I was curious about because it seems like, so from following your account all these years and stuff, you know, like I, I'm, I'm seeing the stuff come up in my feed, but I don't know the story behind a lot of the stuff. So are you yourself traveling to a lot of these cities to film the local bands or are those sets being sent to you? to post no i film everything okay so yeah. people think i have like a team that i dispatch i don't i don't dispatch anyone to film anything sure. for me obviously if it's a multi-camp set i'll hire people to film with me but i'm i'm always operating one of the cameras i'm always editing but i'm i'm the one who's traveling from like new york to seattle to like atlanta like really ridiculous tour routing so that's all me anything that's archival that i didn't film is so anything on the site that's from before 2007 um, 2006 and prior, that is stuff that was submitted to me. So uh, as a general rule, I don't accept any tapes from that overlap with the time that I was filming, if that makes sense. So okay, I don't yeah, accept yeah, yeah. I don't accept tapes from anything that's like 2000 to present day, 2007 to present day. Because the way I look at it is 2007 to present day is like my portfolio, my, my personal body of work. Um, anything before that is like what I consider archival stuff, like pre me getting involved in in archiving that makes the, sense yeah. the one exception is with chris's tapes chris avis so after chris passed away um his family sent me his uh, some of his unfinished videos and like i you know I, I wanted to do that for him uh to get it out so the only the only sets on the channel um from recent years that aren't mine are his and i think i i put like one 108 setup from a, a local kid who doesn't film anymore right um but yeah chris's stuff is like he'll always get an exception Right. That makes sense. Yeah. We had this, uh, I mean, obviously like our relationship with Chris goes very, very far back. I met Chris, uh, in like 2006 or something like that. I stayed at his house in 2006 <laughs> and, uh, but we had this long, we've had this ongoing, we had this long running joke with him where, cause he used to, for people that don't know, Chris Avis was sort of the West coast sunny in a lot of ways where he would be at every show filming or recording the audio and stuff. But he used to, uh, 
yeah, he'd have a microphone put through his hat. Um, and uh, we always make stupid jokes like first and last names. So uh, a, a joke that we that we birthed was uh, my last name's Zinazat. My first name is Mike. Mike Zinazat. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he didn't know but we'd always call him mike zinazat like oh mike zinazat's here yeah um, i i really um identify with chris um he was there aren't a lot of people who film like live music there's a fair, it's a lot of photographers but not a lot of people who videotape yeah like religiously so he and i bonded very immediately i felt like i felt like i could see myself in him who someone was just relentlessly documenting very meticulous with how he was doing it in a very methodical way and i remember when like i went to that unbroken show 2014 that was the first time we shot together and i i was like i was like are those microphones in your hat and then i really and he pointed to his logo the 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 cave of logo has a microphone yeah. in the hat yeah. and he explained why he didn't i was like that is brilliant so I also felt like, okay, here's someone who, like me, also is into filming and documenting. But here's also someone like me who's really thinking outside the box in terms of, like, innovating, trying new things, experimenting. So, um, yeah, yeah. you're describing I, the laptop in your backpack is very – Yeah, exactly. So I, the hat. Yeah, no, I, I – I, uh, He's someone that I, I truly loved being able to, like, work with him the few times that I did and just to, to pick his brain and just bounce ideas off of. Like, he was – truly one of a kind and, and people, i, I it's, yeah and people yeah. don't realize like not only the commitment that both of you have of going out night after night to film these shows but like on top of that this man was driving so far because he's from bakersfield, bakersfield right bakersfield yeah so that's like bakersfield to la i mean that's not an easy drive it's like two and it's like two plus every night just to even yeah. get to la he would be going yeah. to like orange county sometimes san diego it's just like yeah, tr- truly dedicated. Such uh, both of you show such a love for just like what this world is, and I just yeah, I, I I what I love about what I love so much about Chris, like I see in you. So I I you know I, I see you as that person carrying the torch. Uh, for me, you know, like as as like someone who's you know because Chris is no longer with us, so it's like it excites me to see the work that you've done because I know that you know Chris appreciates it. Yeah, and like I said, when um when he passed, I was like, the best way I can honor him is just to finish his work, um, because he had a lot of stuff that was ama- like just amazing footage that hadn't been seen. So, um, yeah, for me, it's like I I think about him often. Like, I I continue doing this obviously to help people find bands and get people excited about video, but like to also honor people who came before me who are no longer either with us who used to film, um, or you know were or contemporaries with me who are no, no longer with me, um, just to continue that tradition of just like. If the way I think about it is if if someone within a community isn't going to take it upon themselves to document it, you can't expect someone else to come in and do it. Um, right. so you, you, we, we can't expect, expect some third party to come in and, and film hardcore bands and, and document it and promote it in a way. So it needs to come from within. So I think it's a it's a tradition that I think is important in terms of carrying its legacy, because if you think about it, like so much, you know, people. You know, people look at the the bad brains footage from CBs or whatever, and minor threat footage, and like that's some iconic stuff. That if that stuff hadn't been filmed and circulated to different parts of the world, like who knows whether hardcore would exist in Japan or or wherever. Like those live recordings, in addition to records and things like that. But once people can like see what a band is doing, that, like that's a whole paradigm shift in what your perception of hardcore and punk is. So for me, it's thinking about like you know documenting the stuff um, and paying that avenue of discovery forward to other people for me is just important that, that keeps me going yeah no that makes perfect sense um i think you already answered this uh earlier but uh i was gonna ask like the, what the first footage you shot that went viral probably was and i'm assuming it was probably like burning fight like, it's like that's when you saw people 
from yeah. all over kind of checking those videos out and stuff. Yeah, and, and viral in terms of a lot of traffic. Like, yeah, exactly. yeah, that was like, yeah, I would say probably the Burning Flies stuff. And then this is this is Harker. I remember like that first this is Harker I shot in two thousand nine after. I posted the first video. Joey's like, you're coming back. Like, there's no, <laughs> you, you don't have a saying that you're coming back next year. Yeah. Um, and so that stuff like picked up um, just immediately. And basically from then it's been like building up like more and more. And um, just to backtrack a little bit, cause we were talking about, like I was asking about you traveling to different places um, for you. What's been some of the scenes that surprised you the most? I remember catch, I watched all that cool stuff you did about like little rock, Arkansas, which mm. was like super cool. Um, has there been any, any other scenes that sort of like took you by surprise? Yeah. I mean, like when I went to Japan for the first time, obviously I ever, like people know that Japan, Japan is an amazing music scene, but just seeing the diversity of bands that, that within the hardcore metal world, like they have so many talented bands in just like under that umbrella. Um, so I was super impressed and just in awe of how like thriving that scene is there. Uh, but yeah, the, the little, like I was, I was fortunate enough to be able to film a lot of scenes and a lot of bands playing their first shows back since the reopening. So I was doing a couple of these like mini documentaries, documentaries, documentaries. I did that one on Little Rock, did one in Baltimore, and I think maybe did one more, but um, yeah, I just appreciate going to new places. I filmed like um, prom court in Tulsa a couple years ago. Um and just seeing, like, I, I had never been to, been to Tulsa before. And just for me, being able to go to, like, a town or a city that I've never been to before and seeing, like, their version of what I have in Philly and how it's a little, like, seeing the similarities and differences makes me appreciate um, what each scene brings to the table. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me, I, I had Daryl from Glassjaw on the show uh, a couple weeks ago, and he was telling me he was working with a band from Newfoundland. And I told him like uh, years and years ago, probably at this point, 10 years ago, uh, Touche went to and did like a whole Maritimes tour. And we played two shows in uh, in Newfoundland, which we always talk about. It's like the, the local bands that played the show. It was like a very incestuous community where it was like the same guitar player was in probably like three of the bands and same drummer, you know, like or switching yeah, instruments yeah. or whatever. But we were so taken back for like every local band in this very secluded city is fucking sick. Like there was like the band that sounded like, you know, sort of like the punch style hardcore band. Then there was like the hot snake sounding like kind of guitar rock band. Then there was like the sludge doom band where like every single band is good. It's like, yeah. And it just, it just reminds you that like every, you know, not every, but like so many communities across this country, across this world, like have that, but <laughs> Yeah, I think the a lot about like uh, really get it. Yeah, Go yeah, ahead. I was thinking a lot about like Baltimore in the 2010s. Like they had mindset, praise, sacred love, um, like Daniel Fang. Like he's he's drummed in so many bands, and, yeah. and like a lot of those guys. There's a lot of um, just crossover, just in terms of sharing members, and I always appreciate that. Um, like Dan's still drumming in in praise, and I guess Angel Dust here and there. I guess yeah. when Turnstiles on Ontario still drum for them. So um, I love it when. I mean, it, it would be great if more people were, so it's not, if more people were able to like, um, fill those roles. So it's not just, it's not just contingent on one person being available. But what's well, also, what people don't realize also, which is kind of wild is Dave who drums in, uh, Pianos Become the Teeth used to be in a band with Justice, which is which crazy. I think. Uh, I, I forget what the name of the band was, but, uh, uh. but like, I remember when we first became friends with the Pianos back in like, yeah, 2009, 2010, um, Trapped Under Ice was obviously very, 
uh, known at the time already. They were already like a pretty uh, well-loved band. And uh, I remember being, I was way before Justice was the friend. And I remember being like scared of the guy and like scared of that whole screen. I was like, yeah. man, that's some intense people. And then, uh, and then all the guys in pianos being like, no, those are our boys. Like we, we like, we've known those guys forever. And just like knowing it's like, I love that pianos and trapped under rights have crossover. Like I, I, and love. I didn't, I did not know that until now. That's so cool. It's yeah. I want to hear that band so bad. I, I want to know more about it now that I'm even thinking about it right now. Huh. Um, well, shit, man, I'll, I'll hit you with the last question, which I like to ask everybody, which was, uh, when was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing that you had been working so hard towards? So that's an interesting question. Um, cause for the longest time I was content with just doing hate five, six as a hobby. Uh, I was working as a software engineer, data scientist for many years and just filming bands for fun on the side. Um, I got laid off from that in 2018, early 2018. And I was like, you know, let me just launch a page. I had heard of Patreon. I was like, I have a lot of followers. I'm constantly being asked to film this and that and just do all this stuff. Like, let me just try doing it full time. And like, luckily I was able to like launch it. And within a couple of months, like able to just dive into Hey Five Six full time. So pretty much since early 2018, it's, this is all I do. All I do is just film, edit and archive shows. And enough people are like about it that they support me to do it. And it's allowed me to just expand and grow. And like, I've been able to like, Pre-Patreon, I was maybe shooting about 350 bands a year. Um, pandemic aside, I was when I was doing it full time, uh, I, I was starting to hit 700, 750. Uh, so I've been able to like more than double my output in terms of just number of number of uh, number of bands I film per year. Um, so that for me, being able to like take that leap was the first moment of moment of being like, you know what, this is. I feel like I'm finally a holistic person here, like a whole, a fully integrated person. Cause for a long time, I kept my tech life separate from my interest in live music separate and like sequestered. But now I feel like it's, I've, I use my tech to make it easier for me to like film shows and distribute the content more efficiently. So I feel like I've become the person I've been meant to become in, yeah. in a weird way. Um, and in a, in, a, in a funny story, so over the summer, Tom Morello actually called me from Rage. He wanted to use my footage for a project he was working on. He's like, he's like, oh, I've been wanting to reach out to you. You're, you have the greatest archive of live punk uh, hardcore bands. I'd love to use some of your like Moshfit footage. And I was like, this is <laughs> like, I feel like I've been building up for this moment for my entire life. Just Tom Morello calling me saying he's a big fan of my work. So yeah, uh, that was a very validating, uh, validating moment for me too. Oh, that's so cool. Well, yeah. Damn, man. I, I really appreciate this interview. It was fun talking to you. I hope I get to see you, uh, see you soon. We're, we'll be out there in, uh, in a cup in March, I believe okay. end of, end of March. I think it's, uh, the Philly show is like us Vane, and, uh, Oh, military gun and closer. I believe. I think Ooh, that's gonna be the Philly right. show. Yeah. I'll keep an eye for that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, it was nice. It's like I said, super nice to see you. I appreciate the interview and, uh, keep up the great work. Thanks man. I appreciate it. And that is our show. Thank you to Sonny for coming on and hanging out. And thank you for listening. Remember, there's a bonus episode with Sonny available right now when you visit patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. Throw us a few bucks a month. Uh, get to do fun stuff like uh, submit questions of uh, upcoming guests. Uh, get some bonus radio episodes. Hang out on the Discord channel. Hang out with me. All sorts of stuff. Uh, hope to see you there. And I will see you 
next week with my guest. Actually, I'm not going to spoil it. It's just too good. You got to wait. Bye-bye.